This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Julie Booth, Growth Marketing Manager at Stitcher. Julie, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. It's great to have you on the show. Okay, so last year, in US alone, 90 million people were listening podcasts at least once a month. On iTunes, there are 700,000 plus podcasts that cover pretty much any topic you can think of. Podcast is definitely a thing today. Think of them as the radio these days. People spend hours weekly listening to hosts they build a great trust with and eagerly wait for the next episode to show up on her on his smartphone to listen. Today, we have Julie from one of the leading podcast planets in the world, Stitcher. But before talking about Stitcher and everything else, Julie, please tell us about yourself and how did you get involved into app growth business? And a personal question, do you listen to podcasts yourself? And if you do, what specific ones? Yeah. So like you said, I currently work for Stitcher. I'm the senior growth marketing manager there. How I got there, I actually had kind of a weird start in marketing. My degree is actually in social work. But when I was in college, I did some work for a local news station doing their like social media. And I really liked that. And so after school, I got a job doing the social media marketing for a university in Manhattan, part of the CUNY system. And then I worked there for a few years. And then I actually went to an agency, Digitas, and I did all of the paid social at Digitas for two years for the client HP. And then while I was there, I kind of realized I was really kind of shoehorning myself into a pretty small niche of social media. So I knew with my next job, I wanted to kind of expand my skill set and not just do paid social, but learn about paid acquisition as a whole. And so actually my current boss at Stitcher reached out to me on LinkedIn with this job, which was the... When I first was hired, it was the growth marketing manager position, which was just all paid user acquisition for Stitcher. And I was like, this is my dream job because... To answer your second question, I am a huge podcast listener. I actually was an early adopter. I've been listening to podcasts since I was like 16, back in like 2006, when you had to download them to your iPod to listen. I used to download like hundreds and I had a few favorites. And so when she reached out to me, it almost felt like my dream job was kind of landing in my lap. It was really great. And so I've been at Stitcher two years and learned a lot about the app marketing business, about you know mobile ads, basically the whole kind of growth acquisition funnel. And so it, it's been a really great opportunity. As for specific pods that I listen to, it definitely changes. I love... <laughs> My guilty pleasure is like reality TV recap podcasts. So I listen to a bunch of like Bachelor and Drag Race recap shows. But actually right now I'm really into this podcast called You're Wrong About. And it's basically two journalists who each week cover a topic that you think you know about and kind of delve into the facts and statistics about that topic and do like a really deep dive. And you learn like what you thought you knew is probably wrong and things like that. And they they cover like funny topics like um, you're wrong about Jessica Simpson 
or, and really like heavy topics, like you're wrong about sex trafficking. So is one of the most recent ones. So yeah, it's a really good podcast. You should check it out on Stitcher. And, thank you. I, <laughs> that's for sure. I really should shake your hand with right now because I've been listening to podcasts since 2005. Oh. IPod, iPod mini, six gigabytes. Yeah. Model. Uh, I still keep that small device in my drawer somewhere. I think it's still functional. So yeah, 15 years <laughs> of listening, but gosh, dozens of different podcasts. And to this day, I've been listening three, four, five podcasts weekly, you know, several hours a week. Uh, they're filling up my curiosity pretty much yeah. on a daily, daily basis. So I hear you completely. What, what's your app of choice? It won't, it uh, won't offend me if it's not Stitcher. Uh, yeah, you, you, you've guessed it because I, I picked it up early, early and I'm still there. I'm still on iTunes. On Apple, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've gone through the you know, whole set of updates from skeuomorphic version <laughs> that looked like ancient ancient uh, tape, tape recorder to this mm-hmm. uh, mo- modern one. <laughs> yeah. I do, I, I do remember all this um, metamorphosis that were taking place with the app. But to be honest, uh, it's, it's about the picture, not the frame. Like I'm totally with, like, I just, I haven't considered anything else because I was really kind of focused on the content itself. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Yeah, you know, and, and we find that a lot. That's actually like a challenge in product design of, uh, probably for all apps, but for, for the podcast um, apps, we find a lot of people say they want a feature, but then never use that feature because it really is just a vehicle. It, it, unlike a gaming app or a like productivity app or a social networking app, a podcasting app is really kind of a... Yeah, like you said, it's the frame. It's not the picture. It's really just a vehicle to present to you a podcast. And the app is almost kind of secondary to the experience. Not to get too much into product design, but you know that presents its own challenges when the app that you're using is mostly in your pocket right? You listen mm-hmm. to podcasts. And so you're really just using it as a way to kind of organize an experience, right? And you think you know what you want, but you're, you don't always really know what you want. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Like, uh, I think Steve Jobs used to say, if you would ask people uh, before cars, what kind of car you would want, they would tell you they just want the you know, more f- fancy wagon uh, and, you know, just you know, more horses uh, and they, yeah. they wouldn't think about car. On yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, for sure. You know, we ask people like what kind of, when you ask them about podcast app features, they list like 30 features they want. But really when you look at the data, most, the average user only uses like one to three features consistently. So people think they want more, but. Sure. Let's, let's uh, segue to this teacher uh, itself. You know, with so many people around the world still listening to podcasts, and it's one of the most popular apps, one of the most popular platforms to listen to podcasts. But still, let's take a quick uh, intro for the uh, Stitcher. Yeah. So Stitcher is a free podcast app. It's available on iOS, Android, and we have a web player. And it is just kind of what it says, it's a, it's a way to listen to podcasts. You know, one of the ways that we, I think, differentiate is we provide a lot of control to users that other apps don't. We're actually getting ready to release a big update to the app that will provide a lot of kind of advanced features that you won't find anywhere else, like download control per podcast. So you can say, I listen to the daily and I want you to download every single new episode. 
But I also want to subscribe to This American Life, but I don't listen to every This American Life episode. So I don't want you to download new episodes. I just want to stay subscribed and to be able to see new episodes. So we provide a lot of features like that. That's kind of what sets us apart from the Apples, the Pocket Casts, the Spotify's, especially the Spotify's of the world, is that you know we are built specifically for podcast listening in mind. And yeah, and we're available everywhere and it's free to use forever, which is nice. That's for sure. Do you guys combine both audio and video as well? We do not have video integrated into the app at this time. And I, you know, I don't want to speak for product. I don't know how, I don't think that's a big thing for us. You know, I think we really pride ourselves. So Stitcher was actually founded in 2008 as a podcast and radio app because radio was still a big thing back in 2008. And ever since then, our mission has pretty much stayed pretty consistent, which is to provide podcast listeners with a great listening experience. And I think we really want to stick to that lane of we're an app built for podcasts and by people who love podcasts. And, you know, that's what we want to be good at. And I think there's there's a place for music listening and there's a place for internet video. But we're okay with being good at the thing that we do, which is podcasts and not trying to do too many, wear too many hats. That's actually a great point. And you know what? Like I said, I've been listening to podcasts for 15 years. Until this day, I know there are podcasts that are that you can actually watch, but yeah. I haven't watched a single one. Because to you know, by definition, uh, podcasts is something that you're doing most likely when you're on the go, probably, yeah, yeah you may be sitting somewhere, uh, you know, in subway or um, on train, on plane, but for the most part, um, you're listening to podcasts in a situation where it's easier and more convenient to listen to the thing, not watching. So that's yeah. why I kind of, just like, you know, Joe Rogan's show, you watch this stuff when you're sitting at home on YouTube or you're listening to the same thing when you're on the go. So from that perspective, I think it, it's really makes sense to not be distracted. This video is an extra medium and just be focused with audio as you guys have been doing all these years. Yeah. You know, I think Joe Rogan's a great example because he's probably the most famous podcaster that has a YouTube and podcast. Like he puts his podcast on YouTube every time. But whenever I talk to people who quote unquote listen to him on YouTube, they're not really engaging with the video, right? It's just, they're using it the same way you would a podcast web player where they're bringing it up on a desktop and playing it. And then they're doing other stuff on their computer Mm -hmm. in the background. And maybe it's a nice to be able to click over during an interesting segment and see Joe and his guest's face, or you get to see what the guest looks like. But I think for us, the, that kind of small benefit isn't worth the, isn't worth it in terms of, putting taking bandwidth away for making the app good at podcasts and things like that right exactly exactly what i've been thinking when i'm trying to uh, you know check for new podcasts that i can possibly listen to and uh whenever i i I was encountering like a video podcast to check out um i didn't think it was make sense like um it's something that you're not creating like for the most part, it is content that it's okay to just listen. Yeah, like you said, on Joe Rogan, you may check out something that is, you know, presenting on the screen, 
but on a rare occasion, like a couple percent of from a whole episode can be actually dedicated to some visuals. Otherwise, you just see two people are talking to each other, and chances are you pretty much you know know for sure how they look like. You're not. Yeah. You yeah. really don't want to just look at them. You have to listen what they have to say. So, but let's talk about the users of Stitcher. Do you have any kind of an average user in terms of you know gender, age, geography? Or oh, it's just all over the place. Like any countries uh, where you, you guys know that you've been, that people are listening to stuff on Stitcher, and that kind of not you don't expect them to hear. Like you know, U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia would be you know first candidates, but probably some yeah. small countries in Africa or something. <laughs> yeah, in terms of countries, we we had a brief time period where we were owned by Deezer, which is a French music streaming platform. So we actually have a pretty good French listening base, probably more than the other smaller podcast apps. The thing about, you know, being a podcast app is you're a little bit beholden to the type of content available. And at this time, there's really a lacking market for like podcasts in languages that are not English. So there are some French podcasts that are only in French and same with Spanish, but it's pretty small. So obviously we tend to uh, see higher listening in places where English is the primary language, or at least like we have a good foothold in Germany where obviously the primary language is German, but most German people understand English as well. I think that also kind of speaks to the type of user and, and that we have, which is tends to be a little older and usually a little bit more affluent. I think that's also kind of beholden to the podcast, just in general, like podcast, the art form tends to be consumed by people who are a little older and a little bit more affluent, usually higher educated. Not always true, but but it, it kind of leans that way. And so that's kind of what we see on the app as well. Although there are kind of geographical like anomalies. For example, China has a very burgeoning podcast market in Mandarin, but they are very, very, very different from what you think of as a podcast as a English listener. They are usually very education-based and uh, like a lot of like test prep and study kind of podcasts are a thing. So that's really interesting to see. That's kind of come about in the last couple of years just to see what a d- totally different culture is going to do with the medium and kind of make it their own. So so that's fun to watch and just learn about. But yeah, our typical user tends to be North American, older, a little affluent. That's also changing a little bit too, though. Like as Spotify got in the game, I know for a fact they're trying to make podcast listening younger. And that helps all of us too, because then we start to get younger people interested as well. Yeah. yeah, kind of a hollow effect from other platforms that are introducing podcasts to other generations. Yeah, um, you know, their big strategy is like influencer podcasting. So they've signed all these deals with these like Instagram influencers, which I think will be really interesting to see kind of as that unfolds if our listenership does get a little younger. All right. Podcasts are kind of unique phenomena. I mean, people listen to, to podcasts, um, you know, and they make this habit kind of a part of their life. Uh, what have you seen in the app usage data when COVID-19 hit the world? What has changed since then? And uh, what do you see is happening in August in terms of you know, any changes that were caused by COVID-19? Yeah, 
So podcasting, our biggest time of day for the app is the commute time, right? So people listen on their commute. So in March, it was very, it was pretty much immediate when the country went into lockdown, when the world went into lockdown, the UK, Canada, there was a steep cliff (laughs) of listening where people just weren't listening. And there was about a two week period where it was like, okay, this is not good. And, and we were like, okay, we need to figure out a way to prevent, present podcast listening to people in a way that is now applicable to their new life. And ever since that kind of two-week period where we had like a dip, and then we kind of came back up and not to pre-COVID times, but much less scary numbers. <laughs> I think as people got into a work from home routine, we saw a huge bump around like between 12 and one in listening. So it was like, okay, people aren't listening on their commute, but now they're listening at their quote unquote lunchtime. So we saw people kind of adapt to their new environment. We also did a bunch of things on our end marketing wise to try to get people listening again. So we made, we have a homepage on our app that we curate with different collections. So we made like a different times collection, like episodes you can listen to in 15 minutes, things like that, to kind of give people the opportunity to fit a podcast into their new kind of day. Also, we did like social distancing with Stitcher, social media campaign, or you should like show us how you, you like are listening to podcasts while you're social distancing. And we had podcast hosts show like them listening on hikes, them listening while they're doing the dishes, like things like that. And we saw bumps from all of those things. We also just saw it start to go back up as people got into the routine. And then once states started opening back up, we got the commute bump again. So I think, you know, it definitely affected us. It didn't affect us as bad as I think we thought it might when we saw that huge dip right in the beginning. We were like, oh no, but it ended up being okay. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think everyone just needed time to kind of find their groove in this work from home environment um, that no one was used to. And now in August, we're pretty much back to pre-COVID numbers. We're a, a little bit lower. And, and by this, I'm talking, when I'm saying numbers, I'm talking about our um, daily listening numbers. So our active monthly active user number, which is what I kind of own and am in charge of, actually stayed pretty consistent. Because for that monthly active user, you just have to use the app one time in the 30-day period, right? And and even though there was COVID and people were from home, most people were still listening to one podcast or having a chance to check in. So that monthly active user number stayed consistent. What didn't stay consistent was the time people were listening and the days people were listening. So the daily active listening number, really, that was where we saw the deep cliff. Because if you're, you know, if you're the per- a person who I only listen to the New York Times daily podcast every day on my commute, COVID hits, you're not commuting. You're like, I, uh, I don't know. And you just kind of lose that routine. We lost all of those people for a little bit until they kind of found a groove. So yeah, so the daily listening numbers are back up. I feel really hopeful. I think, you know, data is so interesting, right? You can almost see like world events when you look at it, at least for podcast listening is what I found working here. Like we saw the dip for COVID. We also saw a dip at the end of May, uh, you know, after the death of George Floyd. That makes sense. We, and then, you know, in July, when things started opening up, we saw a pickup. August, same thing, things have started opening up more and more. And I think, you know, 
talking globally, I hope things don't go back 100% to normal in terms of the world. Like I think this has shown people that working from home is, is can be really good. And, you know, it's nice to take a step back and to have more flexibility in your workplace. I just think that we as a podcast company can, we can navigate that and we can teach people how to listen to podcasts, you know, wherever they are or to fit it into their routine, whatever that routine is, right? We're not, it's, it's good to be reminded we shouldn't be beholden on, to a commute um, to get people listening in, in, in the app. Yeah. Did that answer the question? It seemed very yeah, random. Sorry. Total, total, <laughs> no, no, it, it totally answers the question. It just shows that we're all going through the same experience for the first time. And um, as much as I would like to hope for the last time, but you never know. Chances are it's not the last experiment with the whole, whole world. And uh, we have to adapt as life changes. And I don't think the podcast may just go away because we have, you know, drastic changes in our, um, you know, the, the daily life. And yeah. it's just we have to adapt every time. But like you said, people just change, change the habit of listening to podcasts on the go and drifted towards lunchtime. Basically, uh, when, when, you're, when you're really immersed in, you know, listening to specific podcasts, there's a connection between you and hosts they're you're kind of you know they became part of your you know worldview you have to keep listening to them and yeah your 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 habits are changing uh because you just you don't you don't commute right but now we see that it's not the end of the world for you as the company people are just adapted and um, you get them back but what about people who are new um like how do you attract new users to Stitcher? What are the challenges today? Um, so is it about introducing people into podcasts as a medium, competition with the uh, above mentioned Apple or Spotify or all of the above? Yeah. So, you know, it, it is kind of all of the above. So podcasting is still kind of a niche entertainment medium. It's getting bigger every year, but only about, like you said, so <laughs> I think you said to be like a third of Americans listen to podcasts, um, mm-hmm. which if you had told me that in 2006 would have been crazy. But now, so it is a big number for podcasting, but it's also only a third of the United States. So part of it is getting more people just listening to podcasts in general and teaching them what podcasting is. A part of it is competition with Apple and Spotify. Although, you know, the way that I view Spotify specifically is they are doing us a favor in the sense that they are introducing people to podcasts. So they are actually really helping with the first problem because they already have, I think they have like 80 million users in the United States, um, or maybe that's globally, listening to music, right, on their platform. And if they show those people a podcast and then that they answer, they listen to the podcast. My goal is to then show those people that Stitcher is a better app for listening to podcasts because, and Spotify, I think would admit this, their podcast experience is not that great, right? It's a music app that they kind of shoved podcasting into. And I'm sure they have a ton of people working on making it better. And um, I hope they fail. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But... I, you know, it's if you, if you're the type of person that wants a unique playlist for podcasts and you want can download control and you want to listen at multiple different speeds, Spotify is not the app 
for you. And if you listen, if you talk to people who listen to like 10 podcasts or more, they're like, oh yeah, uh, Spotify is not great. I listen on Apple or I listen on Stitcher or I listen on, listen on Pocket Cast. So to me, like Spotify is actually right now helping us more than they're hurting us, which obviously can change. Apple is interesting because, you know, they're like the benevolent, like uh, podcast lord who brought podcasting into the world, um, but they don't do much with it. Uh, that's also changing. They announced today that they're creating content for the first time with Oprah. They have some new original content that will be exclusive only to Apple. I don't know why I'm giving them this free promo, but that is starting to change. But for the last 15 years, they've really just not done anything with it. So they weren't... They were competition in the sense that they are on iOS automatically when you get an, when an, when you get an iPhone. That app is already there and that's always helpful and, and good for them. And they were just kind of synonymous with podcasting. But their podcast interface also has some problems. People get frustrated that it's unorganized. They don't like certain things about it. So that helps us because then, you know, they come over to Stitcher and they, they like the UI better, the experience is better, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, obviously Apple and Spotify are competition. They're huge. They have a lot of money. But I think we feel like we do podcast really well and that will always be kind of where we thrive. Um, it's getting people into podcasting is, is my, what I focus on the most. Also, because if you have never listened to a podcast and you use Apple for the first time, you're probably just always going to use Apple. It's really hard to get someone to switch apps once they've started. I think that's true of a lot of things. I'm sure other app marketers have said the same thing. It's like, once you use Gmail, you don't want to switch to Outlook. And so for me, I my acquisition strategy in terms of paid acquisition is getting people who have never listened to a podcast. Because once they're in, you know, they're in. And it makes it a little easier too in, in audiences and things like that. But yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting. It's also weird because people have these brand ideas, like in terms of Stitcher is maybe not as well known of a brand, but, you know, we also produce shows. And like one of the shows we produce and um, make is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend or My Favorite Murder, Freakonomics, Comedy Bang Bang. So all these kind of big, well-known podcasts are actually ours. And someone may have never heard of Stitcher, but they've heard of My Favorite Murder, you know? Anyways. Yeah, got yeah. it. That's, <laughs> I know thinking the way of how possibly your guys are, are growing, yeah, that was my idea. Probably just... Uh, looking for people who are new to podcasts. And because like you said, if you are using Safari, you're not going to be switching to Chrome and vice versa. There's not enough of incentive to change anything if it works for you, right? It's really hard to change people's habits as, as opposed to just find new people who haven't heard about podcasts at all. But for you as a growth marketer, um, what do you have a favorite channel to acquire new users? And what are your thoughts about TikTok as a ad platform? Ooh, TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I have, I'm going to answer the two, the favorite user acquisition channel in two answers. So the best channel for us is UAC, Google UAC, right? I think that's probably pretty standard. It's not my favorite because it's just so machine learning driven at this point. Like there's just not a lot 
there's some stuff we can do as growth marketers, right? To, to fiddle around with it and to change it. But at the end of the day, you know, there's just not a lot of, um, black box. Yeah. 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 It's a black box. And it's just very like, you, you can't, they don't give you any control, like fun control anymore. You can't like, yeah, they were like, we made a computer and the computer knows better than you. And we're going to give the computer all the power. And maybe that's true. And fine. I think what I really like doing and is kind of unique to my job at Stitcher is, is kind of growth, more growth hacking stuff, which is like, we have all of these podcast hosts who work for us. Like I just mentioned, like Conan O'Brien needs a friend, the office ladies podcast, all those people are technically work for Stitcher. And so it's how do I get them to utilize their power to drive users to Stitcher? So influencer marketing is a big thing for us with our hosts, as well as with uh, podcast partners. So teaming up with other podcast networks and doing things like that. Yeah. Doing like promotional swapping, like, okay, we'll run an ad for your podcast on our show. If you, on one of our shows, if you run an ad to download Stitcher on one of your shows, things like that. So it's a lot of like negotiating and wheeling and dealing and partnerships marketing, which is really fun because it's, that's more of a puzzle. The downside to all of that is right, is it's harder to track. It's a lot more brand focused than growth performance focused. Performance growth wise, you know, the things that work well for us are social, Google UAC, the app networks, and then TikTok. Oh man, <laughs> what a what a fun summer it's been because of TikTok, right? Um, yeah, just per, sure. like content wise, you know, we've run some ads on there. I think TikTok feels very much how Instagram felt in the beginning, where if you didn't have the right creative, it was just not successful. Like you cannot run a video that you run on YouTube on TikTok and expect it to work, right? Mm-hmm. What I am seeing that looks like it's successful on TikTok is when the brands pay to do like the challenges, like the hashtag Cheeto challenge and the hashtag like Gordon Ramsay teamed up with a brand and um, they did like hashtag Gordon Ramsay judges my food or something like that. Those things seem to work from an outsider standpoint. When we just did self-serve like video ads, it was not super successful. I think that's probably a creative problem as much as it is TikTok. This was also back in like February. So also a little bit before TikTok took off. So that might be different now. They have more users in the United States. Okay. I think that TikTok will stick around. I don't think, you know, I don't think they're going to get banned. And I think they'll either get bought by Oracle or this Oracle partnership will help them and they'll be fine. So I think they're, they're staying. And I think as they stay, they'll figure it out, right? They'll become better at serving ads and just like how, not Snapchat, because I think Snapchat died, but, <laughs> you know, they'll figure it out. I don't know if they'll ever be a platform that works super well for us. I'm actually more interested in like Hulu uh, introducing self-serve ads. I, I want to do that. I want to test that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I think they'll stick around. And I think for certain brands, they'll be, they'll be a platform that everyone uses. All right. We'll and see. Instagram very, Reels kills that. We'll see very soon what's going to happen with TikTok. Uh, presumably yeah, until the end of September. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we, we arrived to this section of the show where I'm asking my guests a few quick questions to kind of draw a better picture of who they are. So here's question number one. I think I'm, I know the answer. 
Are you iOS or Android person? I'm iOS. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you remember your first mobile phone? Yeah, it was like the Nokia brick phone that had snake on it. That yeah. would have been like 2004. Yeah, I think I can remember that one. What is your favorite app now, apart from Stitcher? <laughs> Stitcher is probably my most used app because I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Favorite app and why? I don't know. That's hard. I Probably Facebook Messenger because I have a group of friends that are uh, scattered around the world. Like one of them moved to England and blah, blah, blah. And so the easiest way to kind of message is to like text is through Messenger. So I use that a lot. We have like a group chat that's very active. I hate saying that because, you know, I hate Facebook, but that's probably true. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, on the, we're on the same page. And, uh, yeah. Well, that's a conversation for another day, another podcast. Yeah. yeah that, that's an, uh, that's uh, another <laughs> can of worms for sure. Yeah. Um, totally. All right. So um, just one more. Are there any technologies uh, are you waiting for that will make apps for you more uh, efficient, will tangibly make something better for you in your experience with your smartphone? Not a hype, not, you know, just uh, for the sake of having a new feature, but something that you're kind of waiting for to to be landed in iOS, in your, in your oh, yeah. smartphone, in your pocket. You know, I think the widget thing looks cool. I'm excited for that for iOS 14. The widgets look nice. I <laughs> I think there's actually a lot to be done still with app technologies to make the, you know the smartphones even smarter. I think there's a still it's still kind of a clunky like downloading the app, apps is a very clunky experience. I wish the app store was better. Um, organizing your phone I think is still really clunky. Um yeah, I think voice like Siri, stuff like that is going to just keep getting better and smarter and more helpful. So that's exciting. I'm not excited about SDK fingerprinting, obviously, like everyone else in the app advertising world. You know, I, it's so funny because in my personal life, I'm very much a privacy. Like I think everyone should have privacy and and we go way too far in this country and we should have more things like GDPR. But in my professional life, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I want to be able to track. I want better tracking. I, I That's one thing I wish, you know, I think uh, companies like AppSlyer and Branch are getting there with the deep linking, but like link links working across devices and tracking users, multi-touch attribution is so far from where I want it to be and where it should be in 2020, in my opinion. Like we should be able to track people so much better than we, than we can. Um, so I'm excited for that professionally, personally, you know, obviously I think that's awful. <laughs> All right. That's the last question. But before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you and know more about what you do? Yeah, that's a great question. You can find me on Instagram, I guess, at, you know, uh, it's Julie Renee, J-O-O-L-E-E-R-E-N-E. I don't tweet much, but I am on Twitter. You obviously add me on LinkedIn. I would love to get to know other marketers, especially in this space. That would be great. My name's Julie Booth on LinkedIn. That's about it. You can follow Stitcher. I run all of our socials too. So if you just really want to do that, yeah, Stitcher across Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. All right. Awesome. If you're, if you're a small podcaster, we talked about this a little bit, I think before we were recording, but if you're a, if you're a podcaster, Stitcher has a lot of stuff for you. 
Oh, you can email me, julie.booth at stitcher.com. And if you're a podcaster, we'd love to put you... We have a community of podcasters that help each other out on Slack. And we have a lot of like classes and AMAs and things like that for small podcasters, people just starting out. That's one of Stitcher's main missions is to help podcasters and um, especially smaller podcasters. So I'll plug that too. All right. Great. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on the podcast, Julie. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. This was great. Yep. That was awesome. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Julie Booth, Growth Marketing Manager at Stitcher. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. See you next week. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.